Welcome to this episode of Fathering on Fire for parents striving to harmonize faith, family, career, and fitness. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan. Thank you so much for joining us. I am excited and honored to share today's episode and interview with you with our guest, Jeff Utzinger. Before we get into that, I want to give a couple of shout outs. First to actually our first guest, Marco Leary, for just continuing to be a champion and sharing Fathered on Fire and for personally connecting and helping me relight my fire recently. Um, and from our last episode with Marcus Hall, Colton LeFevre shared that and shared where it hit him. If you listen to the episode, Marcus talked about avoiding the comparison trap and Colton made just this awesome observation of being who you need to be in your professional life and in your personal life and recognizing that um, to avoid the comparison trap between the two and that different skills and different leadership is required at home and in the workplace. Um, so thank you for pulling that in chat out and sharing it. Um, and I think that's a big part of, of harmony and just being at peace with the different roles we have to play in the different, um, places we're in. So thank you so much for that, Colton. So excited for today's episode with Jeff Utzinger, um, with everything going on, uh, right now with coronavirus, this episode couldn't come at a, a more important time. Um, you know, maybe you've got somebody in your life who has, feels like they've got a 3% chance of making it forward. Like Jeff had a 3% chance of still being alive and, uh, somebody came along like Bill and saved his life and has changed uh, his life. And, and now Jeff is living, uh, totally differently and spreading this amazing message to do the right thing, be the person that stays and just be like Bill. Um, so you're going to want to listen to all of this. It just gets better and better and better. Um, the more we get to talk with Jeff and the more we get to learn about him and his story and who Bill is to him and how it's impacted his family. Um, so I am so excited to share this with you without any further ado, let's light the fire. All right, guys, I'm fired up for this interview. Our guest today has had an amazing experience in his life that would understandably change, you know, just put your world into a 180. So Jeff Utzinger is our guest today. He's got an awesome story and is just on a mission to change the world for the better. So Jeff, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, of course, Ryan. Appreciate uh, the opportunity. So you are a father of three, a 19-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old, and one day you met your neighbor, Bill, in a, a pretty unfortunate situation. Can you tell us about Bill? Yeah. So imagine, you know, I think big teddy bear gets thrown around quite a bit, but in the literal sense, uh, bigger guy, ex-football player, just uh, somebody that you want just one of the nicest guys you could ever meet and just he'd do anything for you, have a lot in common with him. So imagine that guy um, being the reason that you're still alive today. That's who Bill is to my life, in my life and the reason I'm still a father today and then I'll have their father. I mean, that's crazy. So tell us about that day, what happened and how you and Bill met. It was June 20th, 2017. And I went out for a typical run in my neighborhood and about two and a half mile, three miles into it, I collapsed. And now bear in mind that this is what I've been told. I have no memory of the event. I have no memory after uh, the day before. But how it was told to me, I just collapsed with what we now know was sudden cardiac arrest, which is different than a heart attack. My heart is fine. It's uh -huh. no blockages. It's not what they call a plumbing issue. It was. Uh -huh. 
medical issue that still to this day, Ryan, there's no medical or physical reason that it happened to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. looking at you right now and you can tell you're a fit guy. You're <laughs> like, so how common is sudden cardiac arrest? Unfortunately, it's very common. It takes the lives of more people than colon, prostate, breast, and lung cancer combined every year. Thousand okay. people today will suffer and perish uh, and die from cardiac arrest. Okay, so you're on a run, typical day, and you collapse, sudden cardiac arrest. So how does Bill fit into the story? Yeah, so I went down, it was unwitnessed. When it's witnessed out of a hospital, now these are out of a hospital events, hospitals are obviously equipped for these emergencies. Survivor rates are only about six or 7%. When they're unwitnessed, as mine was, those survivor rates are about half of that, about 3%, because your heart stops. Uh-huh, um, yeah. laboring your heart's not laboring like a heart attack so back to your question ryan sorry bill just happened to be driving he drove over this hill down there and i was lying on the ground lifeless uh-huh. it's interesting about that and there's a lot of faith-based or serendipitous moments in this day for me uh-huh. one of the biggest ones being bill took a missed his normal turn no way out of the neighborhood missed yeah it looking at his phone or something and we live in a big neighborhood that there's multiple exits and entrances and he says well i'll just go to the i'll just take this route yeah and then he drove down saw me interestingly there's a guy standing over me a car park so his initial reaction was or thought rather was that i was hit by this gentleman's car okay the way i was lying there and the car was parked so that's that was his he got out said what's going on here what's is everyone all right and the the is an older guy looked at bill and said you need to call 911 this guy's not breathing oh my gosh um so <laughs> bill immediately calls 911 and i got to tell you you know i think a lot of us would feel and bill would be the first one to tell you anybody would have done what he did but mm-hmm. the guy that was looking over me <laughs> he wasn't going to do anything yeah <laughs> as bill got into doing cpr this he looked up to try to get the guy's help and he was gone he, oh no he just laughed. So Bill and Heroes, I think, will tell you that. Um, yeah. Quick to tell you that anybody would have done what they did. But I don't know about that. I'm just glad that Bill did do what he did. So it was about 911 talked him through. The dispatcher talked him through CPR, about four minutes of it. He was not trained in it. And four minutes into it, the Carmel Ka, a, I live in um, North Suburb of Indianapolis. Yeah where a police officer first responder came and had an AED. That's an automatic external defibrillator. Okay. The things you see on. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a lifeguard. Unfortunately, never oh, okay. deploy one, but it was quite a train on, yeah, probably yeah, not cool to like be used on. Right. Yeah. So in all my research, why I know all this stuff because of what happened to me, they're really dummy proof and it's pretty rare. You put it on, it's kind of like the Grey's anatomy or, you know, uh-huh. shock yeah. and, Clear, you know, yeah. It's clear and whatnot. It's, it's they're automatic and versus the ones that you see in hospitals. But mm-hmm. it analyzes your heart, the patient's heart rhythm, and it won't shock you. If I would have just been dehydrated, or I don't know what else would have caused that mm-hmm. heat exhaustion or whatever, mm-hmm. and I just collapsed. You put that AD, the pads on, and it would have shocked. It doesn't yeah. you in case unless you're in cardiac arrest. So, so that was about four minutes after that. Um, the cop came with the AED and that was another three minutes. And I live in a pretty populated suburban community with cops and a lot of fire departments all over the place. Yeah. 
still took that EMT about seven minutes total to get to me. There's no great way to ask this. Were you dead? Yes. My heart was not beating. And what I loved when we talked about, sorry to ask such a blunt kind of That's all right. When we talked, you talked about, everyone asked about you and like how this impacts you, but you, this has a huge impact on how you father now and your family and like the impact that had on them. You were dead. That's got to be horrifying for your kids. Like, do you mind sharing into that a little bit? Yeah, Ryan, I, because this really is more about them and uh, my family and friends that live through it. You're, you're right. Everyone's quick to ask, hey, Jeff, how you been? How you? I'm fine. <laughs> I have an internal defibrillator now implanted. I'm implantable defibrillators if it ever were to happen again. Uh-huh. Uh, but I feel strong and I see my cardiologist EP, you know, a couple times a year and everything's fine. I no restrictions. I still work out and and whatnot. But very rarely do people ask my family, you know, how are my wife, Christine, how are you doing? And it's yeah. really interesting because she's, they're the ones that live through it. So I was admitted as a John Doe. Um, my phone was locked, didn't carry ID on me. So they had no way to get in touch with anybody. Yeah. It wasn't until my wife called me a couple hours later after I was in the hospital, calling me for some reason. And the cop picked up the phone and ultimately said, pretty sure we have your husband here. So she rushes over to the hospital and, and they just weren't sure. By that time, they knew that it wasn't a stroke, still unconscious. And where I'm going with that is to live through that. I've never had to live through that, a close family or friend that has gone through an emergency or tragedy to where you're yeah. seeing not knowing if they're ever going to wake up. Yeah. My, our 12-year-old was 10 at the time. She did insulate him and, and save him from the experience of seeing me, you know, with the tubes and, and everything. Mm-hmm. Older kids came. This was later on in the day. And the doctor told my wife, hey, talk to him, talk to him. He can hear you. I, I assure you, he can, he can hear you. And when my kids came, my wife told them the same thing that the doctor told her, talk mm-hmm. to him. So just trying to get my head around um, what that was like for them to see me, A, like that mm-hmm. vulnerable position to where in not knowing if I was going to wake up, when I was going to wake up, it could be hours, days, months, years. I mean, they, the doctors mm-hmm. were afraid to put any kind of a guess on it, Yeah, but wanted to paint not a grave picture to make it, you know, to be cynical, but just not to just to create the most paint, the most realistic picture that they, that they could possibly paint. And then if I did wake up, what was my mental state going to be? How long was I on the ground before uh-huh. was started, which CPR just gets the blood circulating, doesn't do anything for the heart. It just does the heart's job. Yeah. So it takes both. So that until the AD shocks it back into rhythm, yeah. how long was I without oxygen? So if I did wake up, what was my mental state going to be? So all these, oh my gosh. The chaplain, you know, praying with Christine and um, just how, what, what did she tell my kids, mm-hmm. you know, who want answers? Yeah. I get choked up thinking about it, but, you know, I had the easy job in all of this. And yet, you know, full circle to your question, right? Um, but everybody asks, you know, how I'm doing. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, but it was when my kids started talking to me that I, became agitated. Um, I wanted the tubes out. They had me restrained. Mm. I was pulling at the restraints and incredible Hulk scenarios uh, and jokes proceeded. And the doctor said, all right, well, he's trying to wake up. So took the tubes out and I thought it was 2014 and Obama was president. So I was 0 for 2 on those, but then I recognized my wife and kids. 
Yeah. Well, those are probably the good ones to hit. Like yeah, that's right. you got to shoot right. 50%, at least hit those two. Yeah, that's right. So fast forward two years, Jeff, like how has this changed your approach to parenting? What's been your takeaway? Like, how are you fathering differently now? Yeah, Ryan, it's, it took me a while to get my head around what happened, just trying to make sense of it. How could this happen in the hospital? I was even agitated. It's like frustrated. Like, how could this happen? This right. is why I take good care of myself. Uh-huh. Still not understanding the difference between, you know, heart attack and, and cardiac arrest, knowing that it can happen to anybody without warning and so forth. So I'm not knowing that, asking those questions. Once I really started to dwell on it and, and think about it, it was really, okay, so why did this happen? Not physically, mm-hmm. but spiritually. Okay. There's a whole host of reasons that that could be. And I think being a better husband and father has to be in that on that list. I. Mm-hmm. I believe I was a good father beforehand. Mm-hmm. It's not about being a good father. No, I'm a better father. It's not taking things for granted. I mean, I could get up watching our 12 year old play basketball, but it's mm-hmm. too many games that I know how to count than I can count. And just sitting there and focusing more on him rather than yelling at the refs a little bit more, mm-hmm. but just, just enjoying it and thinking to myself, there's a 97% chance that I shouldn't be here seeing my kids play sports. So as a parent society, you get so caught up into the, the everyday and the busyness and running to practices or, or recitals. And it doesn't have to be sports. It just happens to be our world. Yeah. And drop off at practice and pick them up and sit through the game. And then, Oh my gosh, you have a double header and then, you know, travel and then they get in, they get older and you go to travel and it just feels like appreciating it. Yeah. And it's not just sport. I was there for my daughter's senior prom. Mm. And I'll, God willing, be able to walk her down the, the aisle someday. Mm-hmm. The things that I think are so easy to take for granted. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm, I might be there because of those things, but mm-hmm. I'm, you know, spend more time with them now, but it's the quality of that time. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, because yeah. just knowing how, how short life is, literally proverbially whatever uh-huh yeah and that's the running theme is that it's about the quality and a lot of all of our guests they're super involved like i know you're coaching you're traveling for work you're involved in your community and for me i was always kind of a quantity of time guy and so it's always been stressful on me not to be able to put the quantity of time i want into things but like you said, just like you're going to keep doing the same things and it's good to be involved and good to be in like yeah. communities. But what we keep hearing over and was just like you said, it's about being present and like being focused on your kid and not yelling at the ref as much. I'm probably <laughs> terrible at that because I think it's hilarious to yell at refs. Um, right. But sure. man, that's just got to hit home in a totally different way. We all see things we're reminded every day of, you know, it's funny all around us. We can't not run into or see or, or hear about mm-hmm. tragedy. Yeah. Right. Whether it's on a global scale or whether it's a, you know, something, you know, close to your family or friends. Yeah. We're also surrounded by bumper stickers and Facebook posts and successory posters dating myself there or about living the moment. Uh-huh. It's called the present for a reason. You know, that's why it's a gift and all those things that, you know, sometimes they stick and then we just put our head down and and get back on the hamster wheel. Uh And my message, if it is a message or what I try to live by and and help people try to get is don't wait until something wakes you up. Mm -hmm. 
because it seems like that's what triggers things like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be better now. I'm going to really not take things for granted. Mm-hmm. And I was guilty of it, but why does some mm-hmm. life-threatening happen for you to start living that way? But it's hard. Yeah. And even like you said, like when this did happen, I mean, this could have gone a couple of different ways. You said you were really frustrated. You were really like confused as to what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you and I are talking, it's been a positive, like you said, but it could have just been like, this is totally different. You could have just gone a whole nother way with it. And it takes time, you know, for these things to have the positive impact on us. So it's spot on that. What do you, what's your and Bill's relationship like now? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we would have become really good friends without going through this together. Yeah. It's just uh, under nor- normal circumstances. I think exaggerated the relationship is is exaggerated in a positive way, you know, a hundredfold because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. He's going to save your life. It, it is good that you want to hang out with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about to probably buy lunch more often than not. Right. I mean, you know, it would be unfortunate if somebody, you know, it, it's never would be unfortunate. I probably shouldn't joke about it that way. But my point is, uh, it's neat that somebody that you'd like anyway mm-hmm. happens to be that person that is the reason I'm still a father um, yeah. today. So we get together. Interestingly, you know, you talk about the father and or the, the dynamics here with this. My kids love Bill. Make no mistake. They do. And so does my wife. And very thankful for him. But seeing him... It's also weird for him too. It kind of brings stuff back. Mm. And I really can't explain that any further. So mm-hmm. it took me a while to be empathetic to that. It's like, hey, Bill's coming over. I'm going to Bill. Like, no one would say no. You know, mm-hmm. they, and when he came over, they sit and talk to him. But that brings it all back. I think a, a sense of empathy mm-hmm. in putting myself in their shoes with what they went through. I do a lot of training for AEDs and, and help communities and organizations get AEDs at mm-hmm. very low prices um, because I'm passionate about it. It's not my day job, but mm-hmm. I want to give back. And I'll come home and tell my kids, or I want to go do a, I spoke at my kid's high school not too long ago. And yeah. you know what? We don't need to hear the story. <laughs> we don't need to hear the story again. We've heard it. We've been there and it kind of brings it back. That's an interesting dynamic through all of this as well, but just being more in tune. Mm. It's being more in tune to how they're feeling. Yeah. So it's in a, a situation that lends itself well to help, help me do that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this big event to be more in tune. And whether it's as simple as hugging your kid and kissing them before you leave, you hear that too, right? But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a perfect example of saying life can be taken away just like that. Yeah. Don't ever wish you didn't do the things you know you want to do. Yeah. So you kind of started to into it a little bit that like now you're you're on this mission, you're doing this work and tell us a little more that like be like Bill. Tell us about that ministry. Interestingly, a family that lives in the neighborhood, my daughter was actually nannying for them. She nannies for them every summer and I was right by them. I talk another serendipitous moment. Ran right by my daughter and the young kids they were playing outside. Hmm. And they tried to get my attention. I didn't hear them because my headphones in. And so she kind of carried around this guilt of why didn't she yell louder? Why didn't she stop me? Well, I went about 200 yards later. So I don't think God gives you anything you can't handle. And God 
give my daughter that that day she, yeah. to build that day. So trying to get her to overcome that oh, wow. guilt on maybe it wouldn't have happened if she could have stopped me from running sooner. I think I would have gone down with her in front mm-hmm. In which you've been prepared and had the grace needed to carry that cross. So, oh my gosh. A house that she was standing at, I haven't even come close to answering your question yet. Um, <laughs> point, but the mom is very into social media. She does find okay. and she's just very, she went through her own tragedy and just, so she sent me down a few months after my event and said, You need a mantra. Okay. And I said, No, I don't. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you do. This is an amazing story. You can do some good with this. Like, I don't know. The world needs another refrigerator magnet or, or bumper sticker or illuminated poster. I, you know, keep yeah. whatever. Um, keep calling call 911. So I pushed back on it. I, not that I don't subscribe or believe in that stuff. Uh-huh. You didn't want to carry, you didn't want to have to carry one. There's, you recognize that there's a burden to that. Completely, completely. And she won and we came up with uh, Be Like Bill. Yeah. And Be Like Bill, I don't know that we, be that person that um, obviously jumps in and helps save a life. Now, Mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of us out there that are going to be faced with the challenge to save a life. Yeah. (laughs) But we all have the opportunity to change every day. Yeah. So Be Like Bill isn't about acting quickly and swiftly and heroically mm-hmm. in the face of a tragedy necessarily. It's about just be a good person, uh, be a good parent, be a good father. Yeah. He's a great father. His kids are a little older than mine. He's, you know, I've met his family, his kids. He's just, he's got a great family life and be like Bill, you know, Bill represents more than just somebody who gave me CPR. Bill represents that person who puts others first. That person who is caring has to be warrior like that in order to, to not panic and, and jump in. And I've listened to the 911 tape a lot. <laughs> and he's amazing in it. Uh-huh. It took him about a week for me to talk him into listening to it because he no one no one probably want to listen to themselves on a 911 tape. No. But he was he was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it was a scene out of a movie as if you were a firefighter, a firefighter. Yeah. Be like Bill is be, we live in a pretty litigious society now, maybe afraid a little bit more, Mm -hmm. jump in and help. Yeah. Be the guy that stays. Like, I can't stop thinking about, there was another guy there. And he took off. And and he was gone. Bill stayed. Bill stayed. Bill stayed. That's and he's never done CPR. It's not about, no, everyone should know CPR, but it's not about be like Bill and go learn CPR. Of course, everyone should know CPR. Yeah. But it's just do what's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and so I took be like Bill and, and now selling t-shirts and to raise money for buying and donated ADs mm-hmm. as expensive as people think. They're also can be a, a challenge for nonprofits and churches and city parks and whatnot to get them uh-huh. different things like this, right? And that's why I'm very appreciative of, of this opportunity to answer your questions and, and share the experience, but more create awareness around um, sudden cardiac arrest and and, and um, hopefully everybody listening will take something away from it. Yeah, I there's so much to learn from just how you've changed your parenthood and be like Bill. 
So if people want to connect with you, want to get on board with the mission or need the services that you're advocating for and providing now, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Jeff? <laughs> Until I get website and stuff going, which I need to, I need some help, which I'm, you know, I think I've got somebody in my corner willing to, to help me uh, later this week. Right, Ryan? Looking forward to it. But in the meantime, it's simply Jeff Utzinger at sbcglobal.net and my last E-Z-I-N-G-E-R. So Jeff Utzinger at sbcglobal.net. And my phone number is 317-698-2225. Fantastic. Yeah, and we'll, we'll have those in the show notes. Man, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep sharing your story and spreading that mission. Do you have any last words of advice for the fathers listening today? I probably will be repetitive because that's kind of how I roll, as you can tell, Ryan. But it's that live a life of gratitude. Be thankful for what you have. Everything we have is enough. And it's when we take our eye off that ball and get reminded sometimes without too much. Uh, you know, we, there's just all, all kinds of things around us can remind us to get back and focus on, on what's, imper- what's important. Don't wait for that. Live your life as if Bill saved yours and go home and be present, everything that you said, and, and, and live that life of gratitude and go out and, and just be like Bill. I love that, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, you're welcome, Ryan. I greatly appreciate the opportunity and uh, wish you all the best in your endeavors. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, all. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jeff Utzinger. Um, I think the big takeaway, especially in times like these, is to just continue to do the right things. Um, certainly there's great opportunities in times like this, um, to do big heroic things, but it's so important to just continue to do the right things, um, during times like these and just continue to love your family and be grateful for your family. And I know for a lot of you out there, um, myself included, there's a lot of stress piling up, uh, just with so much uncertainty and what's going to happen. And, uh, just like Jeff encouraged us to continue to be grateful, hug your kids a little tighter, um, hug your spouse a little tighter, just continue to pour your gratitude and pour your energy uh, into those places where it matters and where the return will come many, many years down the line once all this has passed. So again, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for being a part of the Fatherhood on Fire journey and Uh, Just keep loving your families. Keep sharing Father on Fire on your social with your friends, with other fathers who need that encouragement, who are striving to harmonize faith, family, career, and fitness. Most importantly, love yourselves, love your family, and fatherhood. I'm Ryan Sullivan.